Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Praise be the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Welcome to another edition of Real Presence Live. As uh, we are coming to you from the thoroughly frozen tundra uh, outside our Grand Forks studios, Father James Gross joining you from the Diocese of Fargo. Joined as always in studio today by my uh, classmate and brother priest of the diocese, Father Jason Leffer. Good morning, Padre. Hey, good morning, Father Gross. Yeah, we had the uh, the annual February taw already last last week. We hit forty once, and now we're well negative 20. Yes, there's going to be about a four-day stretch, I think, after this weekend where the temperature will not be above zero, day or night. So, you know, I talked to my father who lives out in the megatropolis of Leffer, North Dakota. The Banana Belt, yes. Yeah, Dickinson is its largest suburb. But anyway, what are you talking about, two feet of snow? What are you talking about? We haven't had any snow out here. It's it's brown. We were in the 50s here last week. And you're just like, ah. Indeed, (laughs) yes, yes. They had a warm, even even Bismarck had uh, near 50 degrees about a week and a half ago, and uh, I was telling myself, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to look, but I couldn't help myself. I checked the 10-day forecast for <laughs> Gillette, Wyoming, no. and as it happens, they are going to have single-digit highs for several days oh. next week, so this Arctic blast is going to be affecting pretty much everyone in our listening area. It could be worse. I was talking to my friend in St. Louis this morning, they're having flash floods today, so... Probably followed by a few inches of snow or ice, exactly. or once the cold uh, starts plummeting in. I tell yes, people, yes, this yes. is called winter North Dakota. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's just, it, it kind of hurt. I know for me, it becomes a little difficult to remain patient with um, the, the spring uh, can, in March and April because it takes so long when you have a lot of snow and a hard winter for things, for the season to really change. So our reason for hope. Yes. Warm weather is coming within the next six months. indeed also and you know i i can't help looking on the tower of the computer here in the studio there is a magnet from key west florida by a um uh, donated to us by um, uh, a previous guest uh when they were i believe honeymooning down there so uh, that's that that's a a way to um uh, project ourselves outside of this for for a while so yeah the the only the, the the only location in um in the lower 48 states that has never had a freeze so there their their all time low temperature was forty one degrees. There so yeah, if you're looking for some place to escape, uh, albeit certainly not cheap, that is one way the one place to do it. Um, before we hop into uh, these wonderful discussions we're going to be having today, uh, I'd like to call upon you, Father, to begin our time with prayer. Absolutely, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God, our Father in heaven, we thank you, we praise you, we worship you, we adore you, we glorify you. Heavenly Father, send your Holy Spirit, Lord, and giver of life to anoint us, anoint our hearts, our minds, our imaginations, our memories, anoint our conversation, our dialogue, anoint the word that goes forth across uh, the airwaves today. Come into the hearts, the minds, the imaginations of all the listeners. May they be inspired uh, in the ways of Christ and his very uh, divine person uh, himself, that we might be filled with every reason of hope which is eternal salvation in Jesus Christ. And we ask all of this through Christ our Lord. 
name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, as we begin our program today, we have our monthly segment of Ambling Down Literary Lane with a uh, classic in American contemporary fiction. And uh, let's bring in our guests today. We have Nancy Gord once again with us. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. Well, thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Excellent. And we also have our uh, compatriot, uh, priest of the Diocese of Fargo, Father William Slattery. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. Good morning, everyone. Yep, it's a joy to be here today. Yeah, Father Slattery got the month off last month, so we're going to have to work him extra hard today. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, indeed. So, um, yeah, whichever one of you uh, wants to begin here, um, tell us a little bit about the book that you've chosen for our discussion today. Well, I can start out by saying a bit about the plot line. Uh, This is a great coming-of-age novel. It's rich in characterization and themes that pertain to today's world. It's a Pulitzer Prize-winning standard read in the American literary canon, and it tells the story of the lawyer and widower Atticus Finch, who lives in Macomb, Alabama, in, during the Great Depression, and he has set and has agreed to defend a black man accused of assaulting a young white woman. Now, much of the story, which is narrated by Atticus's daughter, Scout, revolves around the community reaction to his defensive Tom Robinson and then the trial itself. But we do need to look at another plot line that involves Scout, her brother Jim, and their friend Dill as their curiosity about the reclusive, mysterious Boo Radley results in a connection between the siblings and Boo, who becomes protective of them uh, quietly and from afar until the end of the story. And just as a reminder for our listeners uh, who are uh, perhaps just tuning in here to uh, Real Presence Live, uh, the book is To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee, published a little over 60 years ago. And uh, as you mentioned, Nancy, as part of really a, a canon of standard uh, literary works in America, a great many junior high and senior high students have read this work as uh, it continues to be used very, um, uh, very, in a very widespread way. Oh, indeed. Indeed. It is, it is a standard in high school reading lists. Right. And uh, Father Slattery, um, what are your kind of opening thoughts on just an overview of uh, this novel as we're going to be shortly diving into more of the uh, spiritual themes that we could glean from it? Well, I think Nancy and I were talking yesterday about this, uh, and there's there's a lot of things you could dive into with this novel, which is why it's one of the standard texts used uh, in high school curriculums, especially to kind of look at this uh, reality of, of race and that dimension of our our American history um, and the changes that have come about through the the um, civil rights era. Um, but uh, I, I think especially the approach of like the coming of age part of uh, this novel is important for that perspective of how we deal with um, kind of re- the reality of what we call uh, institutional or structural sin, um, which again, segregation, discrimination, being an example of that. Um, that this is uh, this is something that's it's difficult for for young people to understand it, or again to to grow and and see the dimension of the complexity of how these realities can 
rob people of, of their dignity and their struggle. But I think the main area we want to focus on was just that reality of relationship of, of um, parents to their children and how they can uh, help their children to see the reality of sin in the world and not lose hope and to commit themselves to a kind of authentic change. And you kind of see that most kind of fully in, in Atticus and that relationship he has with his daughter Scout and even on the other children come to kind of see their, their uh, yeah, how, how, how they're comprehending that really devastating cultural context of racism in the South. Well, and you see the very importance of the father in the family unit, because you look at Atticus Finch and contrast him with Bob Ewell, who is uh, who neglects his family, who is abusive toward Mayala. Uh, he has the family in isolation outside of town. And then you look at Tom Robinson as a father. And then you look at Boo Radley's father, too who has essentially kept him under house arrest for years. So the importance of a father in the formation of a child and then a young adult. And, and then, uh, you know, there's uh, here's something really interesting that in my prep for this discussion that really shocked me, and I wasn't thinking through. Um, to Kill a Mockingbird read it in eighth grade had an absolute profound effect on me uh, as an eighth grade. I've never forgotten it. I've gone back to this book many times, reread it. Uh, I found it so um, kind of deep and thought-provoking. Um, I, I was sharing it with a priest friend of mine who, who works in the inner city, and um, and uh, his, his entire life is in, in, in the world of the black experience. And um, so we're talking about this, and he, he himself is, is white, and... He himself, when he was in high school, was deeply impacted by by *To Kill a Mockingbird* and these themes about racism and and the relationship between the whites and and black. And uh, but he shared with me from his perspective. He said, he said actually, *To Kill a Mockingbird* has has is looked down upon in his community because mm -hmm. it doesn't it doesn't treat they it doesn't pass the woke test nowadays where it does because he was explaining to me how it doesn't treat the black person with um from from their perspective it's all written from the white perspective you know which i mean it, it's kind of rocked my world when he said that because uh you know as a white rural farm kid growing up in north dakota um, this is one of my first experiences with really what what black people have faced what they've gone through and so for me it was like this opening up a whole understanding our world that i I, I really couldn't comprehend, uh, you know, growing, coming of age myself. And yet here, here all of a sudden I'm told that it actually, the, the modern woke standard, it doesn't meet it anymore, which again, it kind of, it just, it shocked me. I, I, I wasn't thinking that way. I couldn't, couldn't see that or understand that. And that's, yeah, that's true of a ahead, great Nancy. many, oh, that's true of a great many classics, Father, but there's, there's a great, quote, and I think I'm paraphrasing it slightly, but by Edmund Wilson that says, no two people ever read the same book. And, and we bring our own experiences and what we have seen and what we have felt to the read. And so in our experience, if you're a, a person who is not of color, you may look at Atticus Finch in a particular way, but if your worldview and your background is different from that, you, you may see it differently. And, and one thing 
that is always brought up, and it's not Atticus's fault because he presented a great defense, but he did lose that case. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. right, and the and the hopelessness of you know Tom even you know trying to escape and and being mm-hmm. killed. You know, I mean that's and 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 so there's this tr- contrast of the worlds, right? That that goes on there, and and I, I'm always struck by the two lies that take place in the book. You know. Where the 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 lie about um, Tom Robinson that he's he's guilty of this crime, you know, and then the end of the book where you know the lie about who actually killed, um, you know, the Boo Radley didn't mm-hmm. kill in the end, and and again that's one of those big themes too. Like you you sit here from a Christian perspective saying, is it ever ethical to to lie, or was there an injustice done, you know, in the end because. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, Boo Radley apparently gets away with it, you could say, in, yeah. in a certain way. Right, right. And how much of that was, and I, I like to think of Boo as the protector of the children from afar during, I think it was during uh, the fire of a neighbor's house, Boo puts a blanket around the shoulders of one of the children and and he has mended Jem's pants. And so he's, he's kind of like a, a little bit of a, a guardian of them. Absolutely. And I, I would like to think that he did it totally to, to save the children from harm. Yeah. I mean, Jem, I yep. think, ends up with a, a broken bone. But Yeah, go ahead, Father. The, you know, what strikes me about that situation, too, especially the, between the two lies and how it kind of comes about, is just that kind of recognition of um, a system that uh, cannot really focus on the truth because of all these other structures that kind of that uh, oppress that um, that deflate the truth or confuse it or just buy into lies. That like you know there would be no court where Blue Radley would be justly tried. Right. And I think right. that's one of the, the main kind of themes of that. And even again, Tom Robinson again doesn't get off. Again, and, and that kind of injustice there in the in the system is present, and so you kind of are met with uh, moral quandaries. But what, what's the institution of change, though? Um, and that's why I think the value of this book is is looking at again the figures like Atticus. Um, the, the example he hands on to his children is is again uh, kind of a stalwart way in which you have to wade into that structure and system. Um, to try your best to bring about change, um, right. um, otherwise I, you're left <laughs> left with uh, hopeless. You know what, uh, Nancy? If we can hold that thought just for a moment here, sure. because we're going to need to step aside for just a moment. We're visiting with Nancy Gord and Father William Slattery about the classic novel *To Kill a Mockingbird* by Harper Lee. Uh, much more about this on the other side of the break. We're just getting started. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Have interruptions impacted your charitable giving? If you feel like you have less to give this year or are waiting until you get through these recent challenges, We want to let you know about some creative gift options that won't cost you a dime this year. 
For example, you could designate Real Presence Radio as the beneficiary of all or percentage of your IRA, or make RPR beneficiary of a percentage of your estate or specific asset. Make a bequest commitment gift this year without impacting your savings or investments. To learn more about the benefits of making a charitable bequest, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. Hi, I'm Carrie Dew, the Executive Director of Riverview Place in Fargo. The blessing of our foundation built on faith and our sense of fellowship strengthens our sense of safety, security, and community. This is what the region has come to rely on at Riverview Place for the past 35 years. We'd love to have you join us. Call 701-237-4700 to set up a tour today or check us out at homeishere.org. Do you know a priest who has made a difference in your life or at your parish? One who has helped you through a loss, discern an important decision, or celebrated the sacraments with you and your family? Real Presence Radio would like to know about these amazing priests. Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com contact to nominate your priest. And each week on Real Presence Live, we will recognize one of our priests with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. Help us honor our fathers by nominating your priest today. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Live, everyone. Father Jason Leffer and Father James Gross, priests of the Diocese of Fargo, joining us. At the bottom of the hour, we are going to be having our Straight Talk segment, and Father Leffer and I want to hear from you questions, uh, reactions about things happening in the church and the world today. 877-795-0122 is that number. You can also leave questions on our Facebook page at Real Presence Radio. And, and so we're, uh, we're having this dynamic discussion about uh, the classic novel, To Kill a Mockingbird. And uh, Nancy, could you, I would love if you could take the title and tell us why the title is appropriate, how it applies to the novel, then even play off of the last name of Atticus and Scout and Jim, and what, what that has to do. Well, we used to have, when I taught this book, we used to have in classes uh, many discussions of the symbol of the Mockingbird and who exactly is the Mockingbird. Is it Tom Robinson, an innocent man who did nothing more than help someone move a piece of furniture? And all of a sudden, his freedom and his good name are at stake. And he is truly innocent. And then we could present an argument for the Mockingbird. How about Boo Radley? Maybe engaged in some behaviors when he was a teenager, somewhat outside the law. We never know how really drastic they are, they felonies. But after being put on house arrest, then he does do something violent, and then he never leaves again. And he is so, you get the impression that his development is so stunted that he isn't innocent. Look at the toys he leaves in the tree for the for Gem and Scout. 
So you, you have this idea of a, of a bird, an innocent, just living life, using its talents for the world, to, carving um, a little doll, uh, helping someone, doing good work to provide for your family. And both of them have lost so much. And then the idea of the finches, too. You know, you have these, you imagine these finches as a little cluster of birds um, trying to save another bird. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, that for people who might not understand, the there's a famous quote in the book about the the only time that Atticus speaks of something as a sin is it, it's a sin to kill a mockingbird because a mockingbird is completely innocent. All of it, it's doing is bringing music to people. So if right. you were to kill, kill a mockingbird, that's one of the greatest tra- travesties you could do. It's even possible that Scout is the, is the true mockingbird because it's written from her perspective of going from this innocent girl to experiencing these incredible tragedies in the real world. And she's, you know, the adult scout versus the, the child scout where she loses her innocence. Right. And this, this is part of coming of age, is learning truth that may be very, very hard to accept and to witness. And the literary term for a coming-of-age piece is kind of a, a massive word. It's called a, a Bilden's Roman. And it has to do, like, with your building, you're erecting a building, and you are developing as a person to become what you are. And Scout, too, is an interesting character. As a matter of fact, there are characters we haven't mentioned, like Calpurnia. We haven't talked about Mala Yule, uh, the accuser, and the life that she has led in poverty and isolation, and, and she's lonely. And uh, she, Scout learns a lot. She learns a lot about racism, about the effects of that on a community. And, of course, she loves her father. I, one thing I wanted to say about Atticus that I admire, too, is his modesty. The fact that he is a great, rifleman and when he shoots the rabid dog the kids are so shocked you know and a friend and neighbor said oh Atticus was he was um Jedi shot for sure and they never knew this you know what he does with the next door neighbor where everybody he takes the abuse from her and the whole time yes he's assisting her to become to become a sober human being yeah there are different types of courage yeah. A lot of people, when they think of this, are not only going to think of the book or their experience of reading it, but uh, it's one of those stories that just begs for an adaptation to a major motion picture. And uh, yeah, I think of uh, Gregory Peck and the, the interesting casting of a man who, you know, seems like an old soul. You know, he's uh, young enough to realistically be the father of these children, but he's almost like a grandfatherly, you know, kind of in his middle age and with his, uh, with his gravitas and some, you know, a very um, defining role for him as well. Um, but uh, um, Father Slattery, I'd like to just kind of go back to something here with regard to the, the decision that was made for Scout to be a main voice, you know, and that we're sort of seeing what unfolds in large part, you know, through her eyes and through her experience, um, you know, that that really adds a lot of um, 
uh, texture. It's 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 a it's a really interesting choice in terms of the way this novel is put together. Yeah, I think uh, I mean she's one of the kind of the she's the perspective through which even the reader kind of is invited to experience the 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 plot of the of the novel and uh, as kind of a, kind of one of the figures. I mean. We kind of see through our eyes, and I think, as Father said, we often, the response is, we, we grow through our eyes as well, because we see kind of the same reality of our own life, of how we kind of have to grow morally to comprehend the, the real struggles of life, um, and even, like, how we fit in. I'm, I'm always, like, uh, struck by the time in which uh, she has to attend that uh, that missionary tea with her uh, her aunt, and, uh, <laughs> and she's, like, forced into a dress. Like, yeah. You get, like, you know, kind of those links, this, this kind of, like, Again, you kind of fitting in the world of like her understanding her role of women, the struggle that that brought of like the only like the in the in that time period, right? That she couldn't sit in on her jury, right? the recognition of uh, of the kind of these social problems, and then again, like I think the going back to the main theme we talked about at the beginning, um, what guides a person through this, and it's the loving care of again like a father. I mean, you see Atticus there, and I think that's a great kind of symbolism too of a moral life um that we're not left alone to deal with these struggles but god guides us gently with a fatherly care through these struggles and some of these these are struggles beyond us but they do demand our response they demand our kind of conversion our change um and sometimes through that change we bring about kind of great personal social changes hey nancy could you um you know you brought up so beautifully like the role of the father how important that is but something else that needs to be commented on is the the absolute absence of the mother and right and, and i'm thinking of that from the perspective that the especially from catholic theology like the feminine is what always brings culture like it's it's what always makes turns a house into a home or turns food into a meal or you know, it turns the gift of life into a human being. And it, it seems like there's some kind of comment going on here by the absence of the mother in Scout's life, but the absence of the mother in the culture or the society they're living in. Yes, and it's when you talk about the role of the mother, too, they do have a housekeeper, Calpurnia, who does do her best to help with Scout and how she treats others. If you remember... Uh, Walter Cunningham Jr. comes to eat at their house, and he, again, is, is quite poor. And if you recall, he pours syrup over everything on his plate, and Scout gets full of umbrage at this, like, this is just, you don't do this. And Calpurnia calls her to task, saying, you don't treat your company like that. And the fact that Scout is with her brother and her father, she is what we would call a tomboy. She likes to play with her older brother. She likes to be out of doors with him, having adventures. They have their friend, Jill, another interesting character. And she's missing that day-to-day sort of, not that fathers can't embrace you with a tender love, but that, that mother's touch. And when she asked Jem, and you did mention the movie, it's a very touching point in the movie, too, what what their mother was like because she doesn't remember her yeah Mm -hmm. and she recognizes that jem too sometimes is just so quiet because she does remember the mom yeah and it it, it, but it really as powerful as the presence of the father i think it's even as powerful as the absence of the mother and and there, there might be harper lee might be making a 
a comment there about how well what what is missing from our society or where we don't get along as brothers and sisters whether it's race or other reasons that we need both the father and the mother for for it to work and if there's any hope of of you know having a civilized right. society we need that maternal love uh, right and they they complement each other the the role of the father and the mother and no matter what roles have changed in society in terms of what was called the traditional breadwinner or whoever has a profession or who stays in the home it is always a sharing of the raising of the children it is always what bringing everything that is needed to the table so to speak Certainly. Unfortunately, time is ticking away, and so we're going to need to wrap up this conversation as easy as it could be to continue it on. But let's take a quick look ahead here. Um, uh, Have you been uh, considering any um, topics that we might explore with you next month? Well, we have chosen a work, and again, it does speak of the father. Uh, We're going to take a look at Hamlet. Oh, wow. By William Shakespeare. (laughs) You guys are so courageous, boy. (laughs) Oh, we're going all in. We're going all in. (laughs) Okay, we're going to saddle up and get ready to take on uh, the bard here. uh, Shakespeare, here we come. (laughs) All right. Father Slattery and Nancy, thank you so much for being uh, so generous with your time and sharing your talents with us. Blessings to you and your day. Well, thank you. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. So, the time has come for us to hear from you, our dear listeners, throughout our listening area, however you happen to be listening to us today. Especially if you're in Gillette, Wyoming. Yes, indeed. We would love to hear from some of the good folks out there in the banana belt. So, call in with your questions on the Catholic faith and how to apply it to the world around us. The Straight Talk segment is coming up right after the break. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Live, engaging, and local. This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 